All right. Welcome. How's it going? Welcome. 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 Yes. Welcome back. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's been too long again. Yeah, it's been like a week and a half. Yeah. It feels longer. I feel I feel bad about this. I'd like to be doing this more often. It's kind of addicting. <laughs> Making it yeah. We've just been out of I've been out of town and you've been out of town. We just haven't yeah. been. Maybe I should yeah. I should clarify what I meant by addicting. I meant like talking about the Bible. Oh. Oh yeah. yeah. I think that's what Thought, was that clear? That was clear. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I didn't know. But um, yeah, we maybe we should try a phone a phone podcast one time. I think I hear you can do that where like you call yeah over the phone. It might not be as good of audio, but it'd probably be like sound like someone's blowing in the mic. We'll, we'll like, test why don't you it. just go ahead and start talking? Yeah, uh, uh, is that <laughs> you're blowing in the mic? Sorry. Wow, okay. I wonder how that's gonna sound. Well, okay, why don't we get started. We should get started. <clears throat> so. So last, I mean, it's hard to even recall. I mean, last time we talked about security mm-hmm. of salvation, yeah. right? What does the Bible say about security of salvation? Yes. Mm-hmm. And this week we're gonna we're gonna actually kind of go off of that, as mentioned, and and really get into some of the more difficult verses and kind of in that topic, you know, that make you question whether you can lose your salvation or not. And right. We're gonna get into what exactly they mean. Right. Yeah, because there's a clear question, or else mm. there wouldn't be the, the argument yeah. that you can lose your salvation, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's, yeah, that's the goal. We want to try yeah. to answer some of that, see how it lines up. Because they do, they go hand in hand. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't lose your salvation, mm-hmm. but there's also some type of, I don't know, reward or punishment. Reward and punishment. And that's really, that's the title. We're titling this that, right? Mm. What does the Bible say about reward and punishment? Yeah. Of believers, out of everyone, of believers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think <clears throat> first first we need to, I think it'd be good to establish something that I think everybody knows, but maybe they're not like super clear why they know that. We'd like to affirm this, I think, from the start. That is, you're saved by grace through faith alone. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You are regenerated, given eternal life, and destined for the new Jerusalem by your initial act of faith yes. by the Lord begetting, regenerating us. 100%. Um, what's a verse? What's a good verse for that? What do you <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's one in Ephesians, too. Yeah, let's that, read this. That one's like... Let's just do that one. Probably the most popular one for this, though there's many others. It says, um, I think it's Ephesians 2, 8. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. So it's, right, it, you're saved through faith, and it's of God, mm. and it has nothing to do with your works. Right. And actually, there's, a, there's another cool verse in Romans, where he's talking about this question of, can you be saved by works? Yeah. He's talking about Abraham as an example, and he says, <clears throat> he says, where is this? Yeah, verse 4, chapter 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not accounted according to grace, but according to what is due. But to one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted as righteousness. So he even, he even specifically says there, to him who does not work. It's almost like specifically to the person who doesn't try, mm-hmm. like to the one who's not self-righteous, that's the one who will be saved, who believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Yeah. So it's solely by belief. 
your your works mean nothing in the sight of God right. when it comes to your eternal salvation from you know eternal perdition. Right? Yeah. Okay, so how do we answer verses like this? Oh gosh. This is First Corinthians three. Wow, you're jumping into it. Yes, I'll read a little section here. <clears throat> yep. According to the grace given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which, ha- which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has done on the foundation survives, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through fire. Yes. <laughs> Riddle me that. How do we answer that? I mean, that, that verse is, those verses are scary. Yes. You know? I don't want to be saved through fire. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. And this is actually kind of one of the foundational verses for reward and punishment. Mm. Because, right, he's talking to the Corinthian saints. He addresses them in verse 2 of chapter 1. To the church of God, which is in Corinth. To the called saints, those who've been sanctified, right? Yeah. So they're, they're believers, and Paul's writing to believers. And then he's telling them that they need to take heed how they labor, how they build. And their right. work is going to be tested mm-hmm. by fire, right? Right. And not only, yeah, and also the work that they're doing is upon the foundation. It's and upon. the foundation is Jesus Christ. Right. And so it's not work that is a, off the foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, non-believers don't work on the foundation of Jesus Christ. No, not at all. They're not building. The, the, pro, the, pro, or the thing that makes these verses so striking is they are trying. They're building, yeah. You know? They're just, yeah. they don't have the right material. Right. You're like, you know, three little pigs. You're building with straw. You're mm. still building. You're trying to protect yourself from the wolf, you know? Others are just roaming around getting eaten up. Right. But, so, and yeah, it's clear that he who builds with the right material, those that can withstand the fire, they get a reward, right? It says right. that explicitly. Right. But those who build with the wrong material, they are still saved, it says in that verse. Right. Yet only as one escaping through the flames. They suffer some loss. Yeah. So there is a reward and punishment for believers in the Bible. That's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other verses we're going to look at that maybe will look a little more obscure that will shed light on some of these, what it actually looks like. But there's this principle in, in studying the Word that we have to interpret the obscure verses with the clear ones, right? Yeah. Like when we start looking at parables, it's not just, well, just, you know, go to town and decide what you think each thing represents. It's, well, let's look at where there's clear interpretation in the word. Yeah. And then let's apply that to these parables. Yeah. And that'll give us a really solid understanding right. of the mysteries. Yeah. I'm thinking of a couple verses here that make it clear. I mean, one of them is Matthew 7, uh, just briefly, you know, the people are working it's the same it's the same type of story it's like mm. they're doing many mighty things in the lord's name yeah but still he says depart from me yeah workers of lawlessness yeah. and then the other one i think i is like i mean maybe the whole thing of matthew 25 yeah you know it's, 
you have the virgins, you have the guys with the talents, and maybe the sheep and the goats. But for the most part, it's like the, the five virgins that were foolish, they did not get something. Mm-hmm. There was the, uh, I don't know, they, they were left out of the reward. Mm-hmm. And then the talents, they didn't get to enter into the master's joy. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, these are, I don't know, where do you think we should, where, what were you thinking? Yeah, I think <clears throat> maybe we can look more at those parables because some people might not be as familiar okay. with those. Because um, I think once you kind of right interpret the scriptures with the scriptures, you can really see something in Matthew that maybe you haven't seen in the past. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe the talents would be. You want to do the talents? I mean, or, or the or the virgins. Either one. Either one. I like both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, let's do the talents. Okay. It's gonna be hard not to read the whole thing. Well, yeah. Well, maybe we could just summarize it. So, okay. the, so there's three te- three slaves, right? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, uh, they're slaves of the man, of the master, of the master. Oh, yeah, of the man, yeah. And it's Jesus, right? Sure. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, that's just clear. He says the kingdom of the heavens is like a man about to go abroad, who called his own slaves and delivered to them his possessions. And right, the slave gives them something and then leaves, and then he'll return. And then they either enter into the joy or they don't. Yeah. Everybody agrees that the man is, is Christ. What people don't agree on or don't really consider is that these, all, these slaves, they're all believers. Because Christ does not give a talent to a non-believer. Right. Talent representing, right, the spirit, the gift that we're given. Yeah, some type of gift, for yeah. sure. And how we invest that gift determines what we receive in the next age. Yeah. Um, right, Paul says he, his, his only goal, actually, I, I want to read this verse. Um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 4, how he wants men to account him, right? Mm-hmm. He says, a man should account us in this way as servants of Christ, right? He's one of those servants, and stewards of the mysteries of God. And then he's, he talks about it is sought in stewards that one be found faithful. So there's this aspect of us as believers receiving something as a steward, meaning it's not for us, it's for others. Right. And we need to be found faithful in the Lord's eyes with what he gives us. Right. What he gives us is eternal life. And that cannot be, um, right, we can't be lost now. We're in his hands. Sure. We've gone over the verses, John 10, 28, Romans 11, 29, we can't lose our salvation, but there is a matter of like, are you faithful or not? If so, here's a reward for you. You know, you're faithful over a few. I'll set you over many things. Yeah. Right. You'll, I, you were faithful over the five in Luke. Well, I'll give you five cities, right? Or 10 cities. I forget which, maybe he, five to 10 and then I'll be, you'll be over 10 cities. Yeah. In the kingdom, Christ is going to reign on earth and his believers will reign with him according to Revelation 20, verse 6. Yeah. So our reward in how we reign and how that looks for us, if we're faithful, is dependent on what we do on in this life today. Yeah, yeah and so as the parable goes, you have the, the slaves. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and, and, you know, a thing to add, too, is when Paul is addressing the churches, he addresses himself as a slave. That's right, yeah. Right? I'm and so uh, there's just, you know, these are other places, like Reese was talking about earlier, we, come to the Bible to interpret the Bible. Yep. You know. Okay, so master leaves, he gives them talents. So he gave he gives one of the slaves five talents. He gives another one of the slaves 
uh, is it two or three? I think two, right? Five, yeah. two, and one. Yeah, five, two, and one. And so what happens is the slaves, with the slave with five, he invests it and he gets five in return. So mm-hmm. that's a total of ten. And then, good math. yeah, good math. Tomorrow we'll work on shapes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the 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 one with two talents, he invests it and earns two talents. So then he has four. Yes. But the one with one talent, yeah, he doesn't do anything with it. He's actually a little scared because he heard his master is a harsh man. Yes. And so he goes and he buries it in a field. Yeah. And in that field, it doesn't do anything. It's safe. Yeah. I got my ticket. Yeah, he got he has his ticket. Yeah. That's right. He has his ticket. And he doesn't do anything with it. So when the master returns, these are the words that uh, the master says. Well, I guess I should actually we should look at what the master says to the ones that invested it, huh? So uh, in in 21, well actually let's look at 20. And he said, and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, "Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then it's the same thing for the guy with two talents. He says the same thing. Um, and then I think it's 26. Okay. Oh, no, no, sorry, 25. It talks about the one with one talent. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's 24. <laughs> uh, and he... Uh, and also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scatter no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master said, you wicked and slothful servant. Wait, hold on. I, my concept was that the Lord would say, it's okay. I'm, I redeemed you. I've forgotten all of that. Why don't you come on in anyway? That's yeah, that's a good point. Right? Yeah, that's right. And he says, Yeah, I, I am. So keep going. I'm sorry. But that's oh, just, that's interesting. That's yeah. right. Okay. We might have to address that later. <laughs> so you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, uh, another type of Christ theory is coming, I should have received what is my own interest. So take so take the talent, give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. Uh, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and he cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. And that place there will be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's interesting. You don't have any more opportunity once the Lord comes. You're, what you could have been investing, you're no longer able to be a steward of it, Yeah, taken away. Mm-hmm. And... The result is you're not able to enter in, right? They enter into the joy of their master. And so the kingdom and the millennial kingdom is described in many ways in the Bible. It's right. It's going to be this feast. It's going to be this reigning time. It'll be the joy of a master. It'll be a bright kingdom of light. Right. And to be excluded from that kingdom, which is a temporal kingdom, right? It's not eternal. It lasts for a time and then eventually... It ends. There's another war, according to Revelation. Yeah, Every, there's odd. a final battle, right. and then the New Jerusalem comes in. But that in that meantime, if you were not faithful with your talent, you're excluded from entering into that kingdom of light. Yeah, and it describes that as outer darkness, yeah. meaning you're outside and you're not in the light. Right, you're in the dark. Right, 
and you weep there because you regret how you lived and you mm. gnash your teeth in a regretful way. Yeah. It doesn't say, you know, you and you burn eternally, right? Mm-hmm. But you're outside weeping and gnashing, wishing you had lived differently. Right, wishing you had lived. Yeah. yeah. And I think at the end of Matthew, uh, the first parable of Matthew 25, it's kind of clear too, mm-hmm. that the five foolish virgins, the door was shut. That's right. And there, that's the wedding feast. You know, mm-hmm. That's another aspect to look at the kingdom. It's a, it's a marriage. It's a wedding feast. Mm-hmm. And so they're outside of the door. They're that's outside right. in whatever, in the darkness, whatever you, you know, yeah. however you want to phrase that. Mm-hmm. Regardless, they're outside of the celebration. That's right. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the weeping and gnashing of teeth is, is, you know, when I was little, I heard gnashing and it just scared me. I was just thinking like a dog, like, like growling at me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I realize now I'm, you know, just, n- gnashing is more of regret. It is. It's like I, well, I just got pulled over. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Like grit. You're gritting your teeth. Mm-hmm. And then there's weeping. Mm-hmm. It's not a good place to be in. No. And I think, so there's, there's two things I think that need to be addressed. First, we need to look at some more clear verses that show that we're judged at this judgment. There's two judgments in the Bible. There's the judgment of the believers. Yeah, that's good to look at. And then there's the judgment of everyone in the end, at, before and after the millennium. Um, but then I think we also, oh gosh, I almost lost my train of thought. I had it. We need to look at the judgments on either side. Yeah. Oh gosh, this is why we need. This is why we need to rehearse before we do these kind of things. We do, you know. We we do. We prepare, but then, you know, sometimes you just lose it. Sometimes you just lose it mid sentence. Well, how about we just jump to some verses? Oh man, this is gonna kill me. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Second yeah. Corinthians five ten. Dude, I was on that verse. Okay, you read it. Oh, well, that's well, no, 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 no. You got it. You got it. Okay. Well, Second Corinthians five ten. It says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yes. I, that was the only part I was going to read. Is there no, the, read the whole thing, dude. That verse is so, it's, so, it says, for we must all be manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done through the body according to what he has practiced, whether good or bad. So it doesn't say we're judged by grace through faith, mm-hmm. as Ephesians says. Right. It says you're judged according to the practices done while in the body, whether good or bad. Right? Yep. It, this is Paul. He says we. He includes himself in that. We must all appear. We must all. Right? He doesn't say we must all appear before the judgment seat and be judged according to whether your name's written in the book of life, which is what happens in the final judgment. That one's just, is your name recorded there? Come on in. Yeah. But this one, it's like, let's look at what you actually did while in the body. Mm. So there's another one, right? And uh, where is it? Is it Romans? Romans or? Yeah, Romans 14, 10. Yeah. Why yeah. do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all, or, sorry, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yeah. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. I think there's one First 1 Corinthians Four, five. It says, "So then, do not judge anything before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and make manifest the counsels of the heart." So, he he's going to come and really make known what happened, what's happened in us. What were the counsels of our heart? What did we do while in the body? And you're judged according to that. So there's just there's this like, I don't know. There's there's something. In the scriptures, and this is actually more, you can see this 
in way more verses than you can the saved by grace through faith. Yeah. This is way more clear because the Lord and Paul and the Bible, you know, authors are wanting to incentivize the believers right. to run the race, yeah. right? Fight the good fight. Yeah. He's not saying, you know, you've got your ticket, you're fine. You know, that technically is true. We are okay. like we're we're begotten sons of God. Yeah. But the point is we need to be transformed and we need to labor for mm. the Lord. Yeah, and there's another verse that makes it clear too, Matthew 16, 27. Mm. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. That's, that's even right. Jesus speaking. Yeah. There's another one in Philippians, I think that's really important. Because <clears throat> you're looking at the uh, the Apostle Paul after, what, he, he's about 20 years into his ministry yeah. at this point. And he ta- he's... He talks as if he's not really saved, if you take it as it's all about just being saved or not. But this makes a lot more sense in light of the reward and punishment of believers. He says, um, okay, where are we? He, he talks about, I count all things loss in order that I might gain Christ on account of whom I've suffered loss, you know, and that I'd be found in him and that I'd know him and the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, conform to his death. He says, if perhaps I might attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. There's a little emphasis added to resurrection mm. as indicating it's a special resurrection. Interesting. For okay. the dead. Yeah. And then he says, not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I pursue if even I may lay hold of that for which I also have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Yeah. He keeps going. It's so good. Brothers, I do not account of myself to have laid hold. I'm not there yet. I haven't laid hold. Mm-hmm. Isn't he a begotten For son of sure. God? sure, absolutely. Dude, if anyone was. But he has not laid hold. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before, right. I pursue toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ Jesus has called me upwards. And then he wants everyone to have the same mind as he has. Right. So it's, it's, it's really striking. It's like, I, I think a lot of believers are afraid of this idea because they think, oh, God doesn't want to, you know, put a carrot out in front of us, you know, or a donut. Like, right. That, that's too low. He wants us to just, you know, love him. And, and that's it, just for love itself. Right. Which I, I agree with. Like, love is the strongest motivator. Mm-hmm. But he also is practical and recognizes that we actually are fallen humans and we need some more incentive because sometimes my love's not doing too hot. You right. Know? And if, if it's not too low for Paul, then it's don't, don't be so high-minded of yourself. Paul yeah. pursued for the prize. Yeah. And it's, he's trying to lay hold of Christ. Right. I want to be filled to the yeah. uttermost, right? I, that I might gain Christ. That's right. That's the goal. But we, it is, I mean, it, it, it has a prize yeah. if you get it, and there's, not, there's a punishment if you don't. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's a perfect uh, segue, too, into Hebrews, to, uh, Hebrews 12. Okay. And it's kind of, it, it almost goes back to the parable in Matthew. Yeah. Where when he's talking about, in, what is that joy that he's talking about, the master's talking about? He, the slave gets to enter into the joy of the master. Yeah. You know, so in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay hold or lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the author and perf- I'm sorry the founder and perfecter of our faith 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hmm. And so even Jesus himself, his race, in a sense, on the earth, yeah. he knew, you know, he knew the judgment that was coming. He knew the joy that was set before him. Mm-hmm. So him taking the cross, it wasn't just merely a... I mean, it, definitely he wanted to take away our sins. Mm-hmm. But it was also for us also to pursue this. And the writer of Hebrews is seeing this, that we're looking to Jesus. He ran the first race. Yeah. And we're pursuing after him. Yeah. For the joy that was set before him. Yeah. And I mean, it's clear in Timothy too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Paul's seeking after the crown in Timothy. And actually, he doesn't have the assurance in Philippians, but in 2 Timothy, he gets he, the assurance. He gets it, yeah. He says, I have, right? I've mm-hmm. done it. He says in, it's chapter 4, right? Um, <clears throat> I think so. Yeah, 4-7. Four, 4-7. Seven. Four, seven. <clears throat> he says, I have fought the good fight. And I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will recompense me in that day. And not only me, but also all those who have loved his appearing. So he's, he has the assurance that he's finished his course, he's fought his fight, he's kept the faith. And he says it's a crown of righteousness. He doesn't say it's a crown of grace or a crown of mercy, Right? He says, I, I have earned this, right? It's not out of his own works, right? He, he's been doing it by the grace of God, but he himself ran and he was found faithful. And so the righteous judge recompenses a crown to him to reign. Yes. It's not a merciful judge gives it to him despite his best, you know, his, his failures. Right. This is a matter of reward by works. Mm-hmm. It's not about our eternal salvation. It's about our reigning with Christ in the next age of the kingdom. Yep. And there's a couple verses in chapter 2 that are just, they're so like exposing and it really just it motivates me. It says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 11, it says, Faithful is the word that if we died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we also will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So there's this matter of like, mm. how are you living? Are you living yeah, right. in an endurance? And are you confessing Christ to people? Are you confessing him? Or are you denying him? Either openly or by virtue of not speaking. Denying, you know, to speak when, when he needs to be spoken of. And it says if you deny him, he'll deny you. Right? That's his word. It's the promise. It's he, he is going to reward the faithful ones by letting them reign with him. Right. So there, there's just something. I mean, like, he, the, all of the epistles, all of the gospels, all these warnings, they're written to believers. They're written to us. Right. And, and they're supposed to sober us and give us a motivation to run and to fight so that we could lay hold of the crown. So I, I don't know. There's just... This is a really sobering topic, but it's really helpful to know in, so that we recognize that when we see these verses of being cut off right. or of falling from grace, um, these are all, that's Galatians, and then cut off is in John, and it's also in Romans. If you see these verses losing the birthright, they don't refer to you're eternally condemned, but the reward that comes from birth, you, you are, you're destined to reign with Christ. Or you're, you're, you're grafted into him so that you can partake of the sap, so that you can be rewarded in the end. 
the cutting off, the cut off of fellowship, it's a matter of reward and punishment. It's a matter of this future um, kind of time of recompensing where he's going to judge the believers only. The unbelievers don't get judged till after the kingdom. It talks about then everyone's resurrected to the great white throne, yeah. not the throne of Christ. So this is really striking, but it's really helpful for understanding how these verses all yeah. fit in. Yeah, and maybe just, you know, I guess we need to wrap up here pretty quick. But, yeah. but you know, just for another reference, you can look at Jesus's letter um, oh, yeah. to the churches in, in <clears throat> Revelation. Revelation yeah. right? Seven churches. What composes a church? They're a church. Yeah, believers, believers right? Believers. The assembly of the called out ones. And there's people in the church that overcome the situation of that church. That's right. Um, and so what does that mean for the other ones, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that like these are, these are the kind of questions that we're looking at, and there's so many more verses to look at and what we should get into. And, you know, one of the things I just wanted to add was like, you know, Paul is talking about, that, that what you're talking about, Reese, in Second in Second Timothy, that in the day, that's when he receives his crown. In right. that day, in that day, not right after I die. Right, not when he dies. Yeah, and you know that's a topic for a, something. You know, it's a whole other time. But, but I just you know, even this verse in Hebrews also like you're talking about like <laughs> there's a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Yeah, that's right. Right, out of all the, all the people that have died, the believers, even mm-hmm. if you want to, even if they're the ones like Paul, yeah, that attained the crown, yeah, they are waiting eagerly mm-hmm. to receive their reward, yeah. And like we talked about in our you know past podcast, that God has a purpose, mm-hmm. and He's returning, and He's returning for that purpose. Yeah, when our building is not just mere works, it's not just even merely the right, you know, quote unquote works. It's works that are filled with the divine life. Hmm. It's when we're saturated. Uh, you know, I wish we had time to also talk about the first verse in Matthew 25, the first verses, mm-hmm. that the virgins were filled with oil. That's right. And, you know, I mean, we just don't have time right now. But, yeah. but just the fact that it's the works that are gold, silver, and precious stones, meaning that they're composed of God's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're composed of all these different aspects. And, you know, the James... In Revelation 2, both talk about their the crown that Paul says the crown of righteousness. They call it the crown of life. Wow. Meaning they're filled with life. Right. Right. It's a righteous life, so there's many terms for it. But yeah. This is really good. You get crowned when you are filled. You're going to look like Christ because you've been transformed. You've been perfected. You've been made holy. And so when the Lord, when you come back, it's like the building is not so much like outward things. It's like, has God been built into you? Yeah. Have you been constituted a stone fit into the building? Right. right. Yeah, and I think a verse too that's that's just encouraging, encouraging to look at, especially when we as people are living the life that we do. Um, Paul says in verse in Romans five two, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit uh, who, has, who has been given to us. Yeah. And so like all of these things that we'll pass through, and I think it's, uh, this is also a warning too, it's like all these things that we pass through, we can pass through in vain That's if right. the Lord is not being added to us. Yeah. 
because these sufferings will are our endurance, right? We suffer and we need to endure. That's right. And the endurance produces character. Yeah. And this character is not just mere like you have a good character. It's like the Lord's character being wrought into us. Yeah. And as that, we have the hope. Like Paul had when he died. Mm-hmm. There's a crown laid up for me. Yeah. Yeah, he has the, he has the assurance. And, and the, yeah, there's the sister verse for that in James. It says, let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. He's talking about rejoicing right. in your tribulations. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's very clear that believers get punished, not really punished, but judged and disciplined in this age. Right, God is a loving Father who disciplines, disciplines His sons. Yeah. In Hebrews twelve, so or is it Hebrews ten? I think it's twelve. I think it's twelve. And yeah. so, but you can choose to let that disciplining love. have its full effect, or you can refuse it, and you can run off and live your own life. The Lord won't force it upon us, and those who don't receive it in this age, the next age it'll right. happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there's so many verses. I just wish we had time, but Yeah, we've got too many written down. There's a book, is it Robert or Roger? I think it's Robert Govet or Govet. He writes a lot about this. I think he might be one of the ones who really brought out this doctrine um in the eighteen hundreds that it's just been really helpful to me. So if you want to any further readings, the judgment seat of Christ or reward according to works is there are a couple of great works by him. But um yeah, there's there's hundreds hundreds of verses. So, yeah, we should stop here. I think this this is good. Yeah. Okay. You know what we're going to talk about next week? Or... Yes. Really? We're, yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about... Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to What Does the Bible Say About That? Reward and Punishment. Um, if you enjoyed listening, you can subscribe at the various channels that we go through, Spotify, Podcast, Anchor, SoundCloud, maybe. Um, yeah. So if you guys want to donate, you can go to www we don't accept we don't accept any money but enjoy listening and we'd love to hear some feedback from you guys thanks